I think that's the key thing as well is make sure that you, you know, if, if you get the opportunity to create that team around you, that that you are actually taking on people that are that, that are, are are much better than you are, that are really good at their jobs, but also that they they buy into the same values as they do. They have the same passion because ultimately, if, if you and your your team create those values and your team live by those values and they have the same passion and love for what you do that you do, then I think you will you will continue to get fantastic results time after time after time. From Positive Momentum, this is Meet the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of those people who have reached the heights of what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Barbara Brown, partner at Positive Momentum, and it's my pleasure today to welcome Evelyn MacDonald, the CEO at Scottish Edge. Evelyn is a renowned and highly experienced CEO with a superb history of working successfully across the social enterprise and charity sector. She's skilled in all aspects of business support, focused on growing and scaling businesses. She's earned the reputation for leading edge collaboration to transform organisations to truly make a difference to the people they support. Scottish Edge is a key part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem its biannual funding competition is aimed at identifying and supporting Scotland's innovative, high-growth potential entrepreneurial talent. The organisation has transformed the success of countless businesses across a broad spectrum of sectors. Funded by the Hunter Foundation, the Royal Bank of Scotland, the Scottish Government, Scottish Enterprise and private donors, the competition is delivered twice per year and has supported 548 early stage Scottish businesses with over 22 million in award funding. After the last round of the competition, the First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon said, 10 years after it started, Scottish Edge is now the largest funding competition of its kind anywhere in the UK. It epitomises the kind of entrepreneurial spirit that we want to encourage more widely across our economy. So let's get started, Evelyn. Tell us, why did you become a CEO? Okay, well, first I wanted to say, Barbara, thank you very much um, for inviting me um, onto the podcast. And also thank you for all your support as a judge at Scottish Edge um, over the years. So I became a CEO accidentally. So I didn't, if I'm honest, um, see myself becoming a CEO, but the opportunity arose and I took it. So I have actually been working in business support for over 30 years, um, for a long, long time, actually, with an organisation called the, the Prince's Scottish Youth Business Trust, where I, I, I started out, um, you know, supporting early stage businesses, having run a small business myself, then moved on to operations and then uh, laterally into senior management and then took a sort of sideways move when I had my family and ran a fund which invested in um, businesses that had been supported by the trust but were looking for further funding. 
But the, the Prince of Scottish Youth Business Trust merged with the Prince's Trust and the role that I was in and the fund that I was running was not going to continue. So I was actually looking for other opportunities, had been involved in judging at Scottish Edge when it was in the very early stages at Scottish Enterprise, because actually Scottish Enterprise came up with the original concept for Scottish Edge and ran the first four rounds of the competition. And then when that was pushed out to the private sector, um, the opportunity came up and I thought, okay, so I I thought, I, I, I hadn't really seen myself as ever being a CEO. It was, I was slightly scared of the buck stopping at me. And I had worked for some absolutely wonderful CEOs in the past. And, you know, and I, I was always very grateful for the fact that the buck did actually stop at them. And there was that that fear of, of, of actually taking that leap. But it was such a wonderful opportunity. And support for entrepreneurs is something I'm hugely passionate about. I had already got excited as a judge by the Scottish Edge competition and the impact it could have. So, so I, I leapt in feet first. It did take a bit of time, three interviews down the line. Um, and then I remember actually on, on my birthday um, being told that I had the role and then, then starting out as, as the, the, the CEO of Scottish Edge. Fabulous. It's that fear factor and the excitement combined that says, go for it. And, and then the rest is history in terms of that success. So tell us, what part of your day is sacrosanct, the, the part that you preserve at all costs? So there's actually a few parts. I'm going to cheat and not just, just give one. So actually one of the things, and this is quite recent, but during the pandemic, at the very early stages of the pandemic, um, when I was feeling, like everyone else in business, a tremendous amount of stress over the situation and, and how it was going to affect the business, the team and our customers, I actually, um, on the advice of a friend, started doing yoga very early in the morning. And now I try and carve out between 20 minutes and half an hour every morning to actually do yoga um, and, and, you know, with that, some breathing and meditation. And I actually find that that gives me the energy and clears my mind for the day ahead. And for years, people have talked about that, the importance of even going for a walk in the morning or going for a run or doing some exercise. And I do actually think that that's, that helps me. So going into my day, having done that, it actually it energizes me. In terms of, of, of how I operate within the job, another thing that's sacrosanct for me is, is at the end of the day, looking at what I've achieved that day and what my to-do list is for the next day and what, the, what I'm expecting the team to be working on. And I think that's an important point where you're challenge, challenging yourself, looking back over your day to see what have I moved forward with? What have I, you know, because I mean, I think we can all be, we can, we're all incredibly busy, but are we busy on the right things? You know, are we pushing forward the, you know, the, 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 the sort of the objectives. I mean, we work to a set of uh, OKRs, so objectives and key results that we set at the beginning of every quarter. 
So am I actually moving those forward? Am I achieving the ones that I've set for myself? Are the team moving forward with the ones that, that they've set? And then your to-do list should be obviously around that, reflecting that, moving that forward. So I think it's important at the end of the day to reflect on what you've achieved and what you've not achieved and, and look forward to your plan for the next day and, and ensure that you're moving forward with the right things. Um, because I think, as I say, it's very easy for us to get drawn into all of the, you know, drawn into meetings, drawn into chats, um, you know, and, 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 and I'm trying to get a little bit, you know, what, one of the things I feel that I'm getting more focused on the longer I'm in the job is the importance of my time. And, you know, so if someone asks me for a meeting, then I, I, I do sometimes, you know, now question that and think, Am I the right person to have that meeting or should it be another member of the team? And what is that going to do to contribute to the organisation, uh, to, to moving the organisation forward? Or am I just really going to spend an hour chatting to someone, which will be, I'm sure, very enjoyable, but is that the right thing to do? And then the third thing, which is sacrosanct for me, is always to try and sit down around a table with um, your, your family and have, have a meal. So again, I think... It's very difficult when you're busy sometimes to carve out time. And I know I am one of these people that's often guilty of flipping over and open my laptop at eight or nine o'clock at night and catching up with things that I haven't managed to get to during the day or doing that piece of planning because I haven't done that. But I do think it's always important to have that break where you actually connect with the people around you, sit down, enjoy good food and good conversation. And I think that's also very good for the soul and something that we should all make the time for. I'm very passionate about food and, and the opportunity it gives to bring people together in a pleasurable way. I love the importance there at both ends of the day that's got the element of looking after you and looking after the family. It's so important for those bookends almost as well as all the really important um, aspects in the middle too. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So what's the most challenging event or situation that you've encountered as a CEO and what did you learn from it? So I, I think I, I did. I did reference. I think it was it was the pandemic for me, um, and I think it was because of the impact that it had on our customers. So obviously, we're dealing with um, fairly early stage businesses, right through to so probably the, the 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 oldest of our businesses during the pandemic might have been s seven or eight years old. So. So that I found it very challenging because right in the very early stages, a lot of those businesses had relationships with Scottish Edge. Some of them had lending relationships because whilst we're a competition, we give a mix of grants and loans. So a lot of our businesses had loans to our, to, with us. Now, we are very flexible funders, and, and fortunately that's understood. But what that meant was right at the pandemic, suddenly... The, the phone was ringing constantly, the email was pinging constantly with people saying, I don't know what to do about my loan, I'm panicked about this, I'm panicked about that. And they were looking to us for guidance. And that, and at the point we had just launched a competition. So we also had the fact that we also had a lot of businesses that had just come into us with all of their ideas, their, their exciting ideas for the future. But suddenly there was a huge amount of uncertainty. So at that stage, I felt that I had to pause the competition and that we had to focus 
on the businesses that we were supporting. At the same time, I had to focus on our business because the drop in income that was inevitably going to come from businesses struggling to pay back their loans was then going to be eating into the, the sort of treasure chest that we build up between rounds as prize funding and also the income that we earn in order to cover the, cover the overhead costs. So there was the worry for of the businesses that we were supporting and also I was worried for our own business. But what we decided to do then was to pivot all of our support to focus on our alumni. So we paused, paused the competition round that we were running. We apologised to everyone for having put all of that effort in, but we basically said we will reopen at a later date and we, you, you can submit the same application just with some updates. But we just feel that at the moment, with all the uncertainty, it will be very difficult for our judges you know, to, to properly assess your application. And it would be difficult for us to move forward with without knowing what's actually going to happen a few months down the line. And then we focused everything on our alumni. So we were supporting them with helping them to do cash flow forecasts, rescheduling loans. We held coffee mornings every week. We had individual discussions with people. We sent email newsletters every single week detailing any types of support we could find that was available, you know, when the um, when the job retention scheme came along, we got all the legal advice and advised everybody how to do it. We even sent out standard letters. We just basically did everything we possibly could to try and support our existing customers. And I think what I learned from that is that then, of course, obviously with government interventions, things you know weren't as bad as is is as many of our customers and we had hoped, or we had feared, I should say. So what ended up happening was we came out of the other end of that having, I think, I always feel at Edge that we have created a community with our winners, but I think we really strengthened that community by being there for them and showing them how much we cared about their business. And as a result of that, as soon as they could, they started, you know, getting the you know, rescheduling the loans back to normal. And um, what we found was an increased participation in many ways in many of the different things that we did because we had really strengthened that community by serving that community. And we also, at the other end of that, I think because of the approach we'd taken, we actually ended up attracting more funding to Scottish Edge. So we ended up finishing the year on a stronger place, in a stronger financial position than we would have been, you know, if the pandemic hadn't happened. And I think what I learned about that was the importance of focusing on your values. You know, our values are about, you know, what we're about at age is, is really doing everything we can to help our businesses to, to grow and develop, to make a positive impact on the community in Scotland. And whilst, you know, during the pandemic, we, we could just have battened down the hatches and, you know, put everybody on the job retention scheme and just said, OK, we'll see you in six months when we're ready to run a competition again. The fact that we spent that time just focusing on trying to support our winners in every way possible and really proving our values and what we cared about to our customers, I think that really strengthened us as a relation, as 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 an organization and as a team and how we were viewed by our customers. So I think it was a really valuable thing to do.
And I think that speed of response and and the market view of how quickly that got to play was was fabulous when you reflect on that time. Um, as you say, it'd have been all too easy just to have closed down the shutters and said, right, okay, we'll protect internally. It was that lookout into the community as well. Brilliant. Yep. So let's think about who has most influenced the way that you lead. Well, I have been I have been very lucky to have worked with some fantastic CEOs in the past. And in the very, very early stages, I was lucky enough to work with a woman called Agnes Samuel, who at the time was the CEO of Glasgow Opportunities, which was one of the early enterprise trusts in Scotland. And um, she was very inspirational in her approach and very keen to, you know, I was very hardworking and enthusiastic and she really gave me lots of opportunities personally to grow and develop. And I think that allowing people the chance to, um, you know, per perhaps push themselves a little bit and take on things which perhaps on paper they're not skilled or qualified to do, but allow them to, to try things out and make mistakes, um, I, I, I think was, was something that I learned from her. And also the importance of not micromanaging in that situation either. And then I was really fortunate when I worked at a Princess Scottish Youth Business Trust to work for a fabulous CEO called Mark Strudwick, who really inspired me. And, and, and I have to say that I could probably reflect on every day some of the things that I do would, would, would go back to the particular ways in which he approached things. And so, so I think, you know, I mean, I, I think in particular for, for me working with Mark, he really hugely prioritized relationships, whether that was relationships with the team and, or with the volunteers that we worked with at Prince Scottish Youth Business Trust, with the board members, even with the people that he came into contact with. And that sort of very personal approach that he, he took is something that I do try to, to emulate. Um, and also the very, the, the way in which he, he built and managed the, the, the leadership team again is something that 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 I've I've learned very much from him. The importance of being very um, open about what's going on, um, how you you work with your leadership team again in 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 terms of you know giving people responsibility for things and then letting them get on with it and only really interfering if you think that they need you to do that or if there's an issue, um, and, and and making sure that you. You, you give people that you know as much encouragement and praise as you can for for the brilliant things that they're doing so he was a huge um, inspiration for me sadly um died last year um and you know but such was the strength of 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 um of him as an individual was that when I went along, so I went along to his funeral and at the time that um, the Princess Scottish Youth Business Trust was taken over by the Princess Trust, I think there was about 43 staff and about 16 senior volunteers. Two thirds of them were at the funeral. Now the organization didn't, didn't exist after 2012. So that goes to show that, that the strength of the community that, that he built up that inspirational leadership stays with us throughout our careers, doesn't it? When you see that in action. It really does. But I think it can sometimes help as well when you, I've also worked with a really horrific CEO. Um, and I think 
sadly many of us have had that experience you learn a lot from that as well you know you really do so i think i think when you you know when you become a ceo it's good to to reflect on both sides of it you know you can look at what's really worked and what really didn't work and why did it not work so what behaviors must you never emulate Completely. So true. So true. And I'm sure we're both thinking about people that we have worked with in the past that falls yes. into that category. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me, what's the biggest change on your horizon? Well, I, I think I think I think this is a change and a challenge, which I think is around which is going to be around Scottish government funding for Scottish Edge. So I think we're all aware of the budgetary challenges that the government are facing at the moment. And so that is going to create some challenges for EDGE. We've been very, very lucky to have benefited from Scottish government funding, very generous Scottish government funding for the entire time that I have been, been running EDGE. So essentially the Scottish government provide the grant funding that we give out to our winners. They don't support the organisation, so there's no contribution to overhead costs as we're a, a sort of private sector-led social enterprise, but they do provide the grants that we use to um, you know, to, to, to put into the Scottish Edge winners to support 100% the wildcard edge winners and 100% of the young age winners. That, you know, against a, a difficult background, we know that that is going to be cut this year. And so that creates a challenge, but also an opportunity. We are very lucky that we have a lot of corporate sponsors. We have a lot of supporters. So many of those supporters have been putting in loan funding, but I'm sure I will be, you know, I am persuading them to pivot into grant funding. There are other approaches we can take. So, so I'm seeing it as, as it, it will just be a different approach to, to how we fund Scottish Edge going forward. But that's probably a challenge and a change that I, I will face and one that, that uh, we, we will, as a team, have to deal with. Because very much when you, we get challenges like this, we sit down as a team and work out what is the best approach to dealing with these things. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's what we're doing with that challenge. And facing it headlong, I'm sure, in an effective way with, with the team. So to finish off then, think about three quick pieces of advice for anyone aspiring to become a CEO. Okay, so I think I think the key one is to look back, as I've mentioned, at who you have um, worked with in the past, who's inspired you. What lessons can you learn from them? What can you take forward um, you know, into your own role? And, and also think of those who you know you worked with who, who did things in in your mind wrongly and and you know how would you you know make sure that you don't take any of those behaviors forward with you but at the same time while i'm saying all that be authentic you know you have to be you know yourself i i i'm a great believer in i'm very communicative with my team um, that's the way I like to be. So I, I like to tell them as much as possible. I think you can never communicate too much with your team, but I know others that wouldn't be a style that they're comfortable with. So I think you also have to go with what resonates with you. What, what do you think works for you? So I think it's about take those lessons, but at the same time, you know, be authentic, be true to yourself and don't be overly influenced either. 
I think the second thing would be obviously it's all around your team. I mean, I feel I have surrounded myself with people who are way better than I am. You know, I'm lucky enough to work with incredibly talented, organized, passionate, caring, smart individuals. And I think that's the key thing as well is make sure that you, you know, if, if you get the opportunity to create that team around you, that that you are actually taking on people that are that, that are, are are much better than you are, that are really good at their jobs, but also that they they buy into the same values as they do. They have the same passion because ultimately, if, if you and your your team create those values and your team live by those values and they have the same passion and love for what you do that you do, then I think you will you will continue to get fantastic results time after time after time. And also, obviously, look for a you know a team that 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 will work together, that will gel together. So, what I always say is that you know every meeting we have, we should also be looking to the team, uh, you know, around the team to see who needs support. The way it works at Edge is we we do all tend to have very specific tasks that we need to do. But I always say, if ever someone is overloaded, then we we have to work out how we can we can support those individuals because we all need to make sure that everybody is being supported to move the organisation forward in whatever way we can. And then I, I, I guess for me, it's back to that as well, is just, I, I think, and this is just a personal thing for me, I don't think you can ever communicate too much with your team. You know, so I think, you know, if you are, if you are clear about your values, if you're clear about your ways of working, if you're clear about the challenges and about the opportunities, then people know where they are. Evelyn, thank you so much for giving your time and your experience and expertise and some valuable words of wisdom throughout the session. Um, we're really grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Powerful sharing and great advice from Evelyn. The benefits of reflecting on the attributes of inspirational CEOs you've worked for earlier in your career. The lessons of redirecting your energy and your plans in the face of significant change. Always building a strong team of talented individuals around you and you'll never consider micromanaging. Great advice. Thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends so that others might enjoy Meet the CEO.